Hello everyone, it's the Wine Hour, the talk show that removes your wine anxiety and all anxiety. A warm welcome to all of you. Today, the show is under the sign of love. Uvald, Texas. Will this ever stop? It's hard to fathom the unbearable pain of the victim's parents and the desperations of parents across the country. Will my children be safe? That level of anxiety is spread across the beacon of democracy that is the US. Anxiety at all levels, especially for some portion of society, the BIPOC and the Asian community living under the threat of racial violence, LGBTQ under discrimination and violence, women under the stress of harassment and violence. That pressure is constant. So there's no surprise that the number of people with neurosis, depressions or breakdown is staggering. Mental health is an issue of the utmost importance, not only in the American society, but across the world. The problem is that this pressure is ingrained in the way our societies have evolved and function. Even in the daily words we use, take the word, the phrase, human resources. What is more common than that? Well, the problem is that I am not a resource. You are not a resource. We are not something to be harvested. We are human beings, partners, colleagues, employees, if you want to. Companies have far for too long viewed employees as resources, and I mean it in a negative way. When power is held by a portion of society and used to maintain and enhance that very position, we get into trouble. And if you happen to be on the wrong side of that divide, you guessed it, the impact is immense. So what can we do? Changing the system will take years. In the meantime, if you happen to be in such a position, reach out. Reach out to organizations like a balanced glass, reach out to activists, reach out for help. Because the worst that can happen is to feel isolated, dealing with these issues on your own. Don't be afraid. There's no shame in asking for help. Be kind to yourself. So here's the menu of today's show. In On Cork, Jamie and Akosh will answer the very important question, why does wine matter at all in a world beset by global issues like pandemics, the war in Ukraine, autocratic regimes, etc.? Then in License to Taste, Tanisha will talk about the wines of Lago di Garda in Italy, where she was last time, and she sent her uh, the nice uh, video on that. And finally, in Have a Drink with Me, I'll have the pleasure to welcome our special guest, Rebecca Hopkins. Now, before we start, let me introduce you to today's Cast. Coming from San Francisco, it's a marvelous honor, privilege, and pleasure to welcome Rebecca Hopkins. Good afternoon, Rebecca. How are you feeling today? You know, Antoine, I'm doing well. Um, I'm, I'm battling a little bit of a affliction, but uh, <laughs> as we as we know, the show goes on. So yes, and, thank you and so much for making time. I really it, appreciate it, it. It's a pleasure, and you'll see it, it's going to be smooth riding. It's just going to yeah, be smooth great. riding. <laughs> and now, so it's the moment you all have been waiting for. They make wine interesting, fun, controversial, rocky, and everything from our global virtual studio, the one and only wine dream team. And we're starting from California next to Rebecca. From St. Elena, back from the moon, <laughs> Jamie Oraho. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, Jamie. Good afternoon. Good to see everyone. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling very well, except that Ray is an Akosh. But, you know, don't tell Akosh. <laughs> what can I say? I'm not sad about it. Oh yeah, we we'll, we we'll, we we'll, 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 I'll mention the thing about Akash in a, in a in a second. <laughs> Coming from uh, 
down under somehow <laughs> from New York City. <laughs> I mean, I was born in Texas. Is that called okay, so that down under? <laughs> a man at work is <laughs> in the wine room of Food and Wine magazine, Mr. Ray Isle. <laughs> Good afternoon, Ray. Afternoon. How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm I'm feeling good, though. I just did hear from someone who was at the same event as me over the weekend who now has COVID. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a slight bit paranoid. But other than that, I'm feeling okay. Okay. Uh, as I was mentioning, how are you feeling today? Maybe I'm going to go back to the old question. What are you drinking today? <laughs> ah, that, that I can explain. I'm drinking... Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking Clos Martinet from the Priorat because I, I had a video interview with Sarah Perez of Clos Martinet and of Venus de la, Venus de la Universal this morning. And um, she's nice. an absolutely wonderful winemaker and a delight to interview. So okay. uh, now I'm drinking what I was tasting during the interview. Okay, nice. Nice. Tanisha Townsend is going to join us. Uh, she was running late. Things are back to normal in Paris. She's doing some tours with guests and tourists and things like that. And she's, uh, um, she's a bit late, but she's going to be there for the segment. Uh, and as I was saying, yeah, there was something about Akosh. So Akosh right now is uh, on a different level somehow. He's <laughs> having dinner with a high and mighty in London. And uh, he's sending his regards and love. He's missing you all. And uh, he's going to be there in uh, next show. If everyone is ready, grab a glass of wine, water, anything, shy, tea, whatever. I'm on water today. And this is a toast to all of you. Be well and have a great show. Here we go. Today's Uncorked is about... Wine, does it matter at all in a world beset by global issues like pandemic uh, that we had through uh, monkey, chickenpox, monkey? Uh, what's, the, what's the latest uh, disease that is going around? Oh, monkeypox, I think. Monkeypox or something monkey like that. Yeah, the war in Ukraine. There's so many things. So I'm going to go roll, run a quick poll and you'll be, uh, and we'll check the answers uh, later on. This topic was proposed by Ray, and I love it. And what do you think? Does it matter? Does wine matter in such a, such a gloomy world and state and everything? You're asking Ray? us? Yeah, yes, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I was, answering, no. I was answering the quiz. <laughs> no, it does not matter. It's totally pointless. No, I, I, I came up with the, I, the idea for the question, um, obviously, because there's so much going on in the world, but partly because someone responded to an Instagram post I had I had thrown up about a couple of wines I'd had. Um, and, the, and the comment was, you know, it seems so strange to be celebrating, you know, uh, you know, fancy wine and and going out to restaurants at a time when when there's so much going wrong in the world. And and it was it was an interesting question, it, um, which I responded to um, on Instagram cheating somewhat by saying it was my wife's birthday. Why can't I celebrate? <laughs> you know, the consequences of not celebrating seemed really dire. Um, so, but it is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a funny question. It is, I, I do think wine to me at least is a, is a, uh, a help in, in times of, of misery and, and stress. It's not going to solve, you know, it's unlikely it will solve the, you know, war in, in Ukraine. Um, uh, except possibly by charity actions, but it does when you open the newspaper every morning and 
constantly or throughout the day are bombarded with 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 dire things happening there is there is a reason why we drink wine um uh, or alcohol at the end of the day to kind of you know moderation anesthetize us internally (laughs) um so there's that um you know uh i i would also i you know i i i went back to before this um talk today i went back to some of my notes i was i'm working on a story about um about uh, piedmont and barolo and i I'd been talking to Giuseppe Vira of GD Vira about his career and and he had he had been you know his father founded the winery um and he had been headed down a path towards medicine to being an emergency room doctor and he decided to sh- he was trying to decide whether to go to med school or or end up in wine and he asked his father you know what's dad basically what is the social purpose of this i mean it's we're just making wine and and i love this quote which is what his father said to him giuseppe if you want to save lives go be a doctor we don't save lives um you don't need art or poetry or a glass of wine to live but what's the point of life without those things um and i thought that that was applicable to this mm-hmm. um you know wine won't won't stop someone from mass shooting people you know, in Texas, but it does provide something beyond the mundane um, that does make life meaningful. That's my feeling. No, and I think, no, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think that that there's also a sense in which, um, you know, we were talking about, and I'm sure you'll go into in more depth when, when we talked to Rebecca, but the mental health crisis that we're facing, um, there needs to be balance between beautiful and ugly things. And there are so many ugly things. I mean, the the mass shooting in Uvalde is obviously just one of a myriad of things. Um, The Buffalo shooting just before that, all of the issues around um, women's health care at the moment that's happening in the, and that's just the US. I mean, and that's just a a small segment. Um, There's enough to make anyone feel depressed and feel hopeless. And I think that the things that make, that give us hope, the things that help show us that there's light worth fighting for are um, the things of beauty and the things of pleasure and the things that create community. you know, and, and I have to say it was really interesting um, because the universe works like this for me. Um, this morning, as I was kind of pondering this whole thing, I had a random note on my Instagram um, from somebody um, who I've never spoken to before, who does lots of work with um, celebrities and big like um, sports stars and things down in Southern California, um, who was responding to something that I had posted and said, this is ridiculous. We have to get together between your network and mine. I feel certain we can bring a ton of visibility to this subject. Let's get it done. Let's do it now. And he now has my email and we're now talking. And that was like two hours ago. (laughs) Um, And I think that uh, there is a way in which wine has this unique place it's not just art and it's not just um social it it touches all of these things in a way that makes it uniquely useful hopefully for for building community and and hopefully helping us make things better because when you look at it the world has uh has always gone through a lot of crisis and problems and wars and 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 terrible things all across the centuries and the millenniums. Now, one of the things is today you're exposed to it, you're aware of it, you see it. Uh, but 
through all history, it wasn't rosy all the time. Some people would say now we live in the most peaceful, basically in the most peaceful era since Second World War, basically. But just it, because it's not any worse than it was before doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to make it. Better. No, no, no. This is not what I'm saying. So, so, so okay. basically, it's 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 been there. Now, through the years, arts and history and good food and people meeting and community building, and it was always there. So, as you were saying, if if those things are not there, we're going to just be brooding in our small place and 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 moping around the fate of the world. Isn't that the purpose of wine, of society, of social contact and, and everything in between? Seems like a, a, certainly a good part of the purpose of wine. I mean, it, it, actual pleasure is part of it too. I don't know. I, I thought about the, the comment I got on Instagram and, and, I, and I was sort of debating back and forth whether it was really a comment about wine or a comment about social media um, and, and the tendency to post sort of, you know, uh, somewhat, you know, buffed up, polished versions of our life on social media, you know, rather than reality. Um, and social media itself is another giant question. And I, I'm fairly convinced for myself that it has not benefited the world, except for podcasts, of course, um, Antoine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> podcasts are fine. Podcasts are fine. But um, but it's, you know, the, the I, I look back to the time before social media and I'm not convinced we've, this has improved our situation any, but I, th I do think wine has improved our situations in the 8,000 years we've been making it. Um, and, but I think it's know, also, I mean, I think it's a really good I think it's good that people are asking the question because I think to your point, Ray, it's, it's a, it's a commentary on, yeah. Okay. It's a commentary on wine, but it's also a commentary on privilege. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's good for us to kind of remember that in our little bubble where we have access to all of these amazing wines and moments and things like that. Um, we have those because of the privilege that we have to be in the positions that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's good to kind of remember that peace as well um and to be able to kind of remain a little humble and remember that it's not something that everyone does you know going yeah. and having amazing meals and amazing bottles rebecca i wanted to ask you a question we're going to be talking about mental health later on i want to talk about you know the positive side of wine in that you know in that well-being uh, mm -hmm. Because you've seen both sides of the equation. You help people and you promote the, the work on, on mental health and, and wellness. Uh, what about the good side of wine bringing people together and everything? Did you, did you see that as a, as a plus? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the first thing I would say is I'm not a mental health professional. So this is, this is not with any, um, you know, technical knowledge, I would say that this is really coming from conversations with the mm -hmm. community and, and with our industry. So um, in, in short, I mean, Ray, Ray brings up a good point about um, the ability of um, bringing people together in terms of community. And, and Jamie, you said it as well. I think that wine, wine is something that is ultimately created. Um, it comes from um, a cycle. And, and I think when we get to the point of ritual, Right. We, if we think about how wine brings people together the same way that maybe a tea ritual would bring people together or that that process of preparing, you know, that intention of preparing, of sitting, of contemplating, of discussing, um, you know, whatever that point is. And I, and I think what wine gives us an ability to do is to stop and take a breath and just find our safe space. Um, and that is definitely something that I think is really critical I mean, we learn it, right? When we learn how to taste or we learn how to um, professionally assess wine, 
um, mindful assessment is a big part of that, right? You sit, you look at colour, you look at aroma, obviously you're looking at palate and, and overall how the wine presents. Um, and so I think that if we take that mindful contemplation side of things, add to that doing that with others in community um, and finding space to um, step back from all of this overwhelm that we're all collectively experiencing, I think wine can be a really um, powerful means for us to do all of those things. Well, and I take it a step further and say that actually, um, provided that we're doing it in a, in a sustainable, um, healthy way, I think wine actually has the ability to um, be environmentally responsible. It has the mm -hmm. ability to actually create jobs. I mean, the whole B Corp notion of running business as a force for good in the community, um, you know, whether it's B Corp or whatever, uh, I think a lot of wineries are moving toward um, being more sustainable in all the different ways that they can. And I think that because we do have this unique connection between both the land and the table, um, we maybe are a little more, um, a little further down the road on that journey um, because we have visibility along the entire chain. It's not just something that's produced, um, you know, somewhere out of sight, out of mind, and then we bring the product to market and it's completely detached. You know, we have the connection between the two. And I think that gives us a, a unique opportunity if we're willing to take it. Ray, do you see that people are disconnecting a little bit from, you know, reading about you know, wine and, and wine tastings and, and the kind of things when big events happen, like the shooting in Texas or the shooting in, in, in Buffalo? Did, did you see that the people are saying, we can't talk about, you know, frivolous, quote no. unquote, things when things are happening like that? And then a few days later, they go back to it. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I don't have any numbers in front of me from our just our, just as experience, as experience. Yeah, but as experience, no, I don't find. I, I mean, I think for probably for every, I mean, for every person who's feels that we should, you know, stop writing about something like that's, you know, fairly uh, you know, benign, like wine during a time like that. There's someone who really wants to read about it because they would just assume. Have have some kind of distraction from the news, and then there's a vast number of people who just don't don't correlate the two they you know they they get the news and then they go read something about wine and then they read something it's not about an either or about sports the sports section and then they go to the store and they buy some you know tomatoes and milk and then they go pick up the kid from soccer practice and and it it you know i think that there's a fair amount there's such a constant stream of of grim news from all over that that people have a have developed an ability to tune it out I mean, we have far more information streams than we used to. And, you know, it's uh, it, once upon a time in the, you know, let's say 1920s, if there was a war in Ethiopia, you might hear about it six months later in a short, you know, short note in the you know, 14th page of the New York Times. And now it's, it, it gets to you instantly on, on YouTube and Instagram and everything. So it's, if you're in the US, that is, and vice versa. Um, so I don't, I don't see a huge amount of, of, pushback or anything like that. Um, I do think you're, you know, I do get occasionally get these odd, there's been an odd thing in the PR world where you get these pitches about, um, let's say about a 15 buck Chardonnay or, or, a, you know, a, a new, you know, barbecue grill and the, and the pitch will start off, you know, 
in this particularly difficult time following the shooting, which was awful, it's a little strange to be sending you this pitch, but here's this pitch about this barbecue grill. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's a peculiarly odd. You know, I mean, I guess the, I guess it's meant well, it just seems deeply tone deaf in, in some way. Um, so I would just assume like, if you're just going to pitch me about a barbecue grill, just pitch me the barbecue grill. Let's not do this kind of nod to the, to the state of the world. And that started during the pandemic actually. Well, and Um, I think, yeah. And I think like, for example, there are times when it's important to, to change, to not focus. You know, I I was thinking of um, Carlton McCoy's um, series on, on CNN, Mm -hmm. the nomad series, which was, you know, set to come out. I mean, it's a global program and all this. And when the war in Ukraine started, they made the decision to push back um, the opening because they said, you know, this isn't, this, this is tone deaf. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that was, that was a a smart choice. But it's, you know, there's also so much, I mean, this is getting a little bit off of the topic of what we originally started with, but there's also so much, you know, disinformation and, and, and lack of information about things. I mean, uh, people were, you know, boycotting Smirnoff, a brand that, <laughs> that has not really had anything to do with Russia. You know, it was founded by a refugee from the Bolshevik, you know, revolution who landed in, in the U.S. It's it's not remotely Russian. Um, it just has a Russian name and you have people like pouring it down the drain and so on. You're just like, oh my gosh, learn, you know, at least if you're going to be outraged, have some background for your outrage. That, okay, something Snopes is there act. for everyone. That's right. Snopes is there for everyone. Just go to the Snopes site and look it up. Um, so... But yeah, I, I mean, I think I think the 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 key, right, is to have wine give you that balance, so you're not down in a deep dark hole all the time, without turning it into an escape route mm-hmm. to avoid the issues. Because I think that is something that's not very useful, of just being able to, you know, I'm just going to surround myself with bottles and butterflies and ignore the more important issues because it doesn't affect me directly. I think that can be a, a dangerous. Yeah. And using yeah. alcohol as a way to, 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 to diminish, you know, problems in your life, whether they're problems that you just in terms of emotion by, you know, seeing terrible things going on in the news or other problems. I mean, that's, that goes into what Beck was going to talk about. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not the best, um, <laughs> solution to to fixing your problems as much as i love drinking wine i don't you know I, I i don't think increasing the amount of alcohol consumption to numb you out further is the way to go um stay in school don't do drugs <laughs> stay in school <laughs> this is your brain on drugs remember that egg ad yes. you know. <laughs> we got, we're going to look at the the answer uh to the poll questions uh, so let me share the results so in view of all the problems in the world, does wine matter to you? Uh, 91% say yes. Uh, what global issue or issues are you worried about? Uh, all of them. The war in Ukraine is the number one. And then inflation and global warming and mental health crisis, uh, the rise of autocratic regime, not so much. And the future ability of good wine is not a big issue. So which is good. We're in good territory. <laughs> We we'll always I make good wine. I, I feel the does wine matter to you question is we've got a little bit of a self-selecting audience in that in that case because it's, it's <laughs> yes. primarily yeah, it's people okay. from it's the wine okay. business. Let's, you know. let, let's be biased for, for, for a second. But it is interesting to see that, that, unfortunately, we can't solve all the problems in the world. 
And at the end of the day, if we can at least have some, you know, thoughts about it, but you know, share with it with others about those issues to talk about it and to, you know, voice our opinion. This is what, you know, remaking the world is about when we get together with friends and, and, and family and things like that. And it was a wonderful way to do that around a glass of wine at the end of the day. Well, and I, I, I remember, um, you know, um, Serge from Chateau Musard, from your yeah. country, from um, Lebanon, Lebanon yes. um, speaking very poetically about how important that, wine was to make to produce and how important that project was in in very desperate times mm. um i think that was a, a lovely example of mm. exactly what we're talking about but what you were saying before is that you need to hang on to things that have a purpose you know art music mm. wine food all these things is what makes us as a society as people and if we, we, we leave that aside, what is left? Just, I wouldn't like to see a world like, like that one. Somehow. I don't think any Go of back. us want to live in a world without wine. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? When we're eliminated by the robot overlords, then we'll have that society. Um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> Until you know, then. Yeah, we fight that. Like yeah, we fight the, the Terminator. <laughs> at, the, at the rate that artificial intelligence research is going, we got about 10 years, then we're done. <laughs> Very good. Um, thumbs up and thumbs down. Ray, what are your thumbs up and thumbs down? Well, the thumbs up was, you know, we 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 didn't create the event, but we sponsored it and I was involved in in helping create it. And we we launched the first Healdsburg Wine and Food Festival and and it went great. And it was full of people having a wonderful time at a wine festival. At, again, with all the stuff going on in the world, it was a lot of happy yeah. people gathered in a beautiful place, um, tasting wines, talking about wine, enjoying food, you know, looking at demos from chefs. And, you know, it's, it, yes, it's a, it's a privilege to go to an event like that. But at the same time, um, you know, the vibe was, it was just a, it was just a really positive uplifting good event the the thumbs down i have to say would be the message i just got that someone i was spending time with at the event now has yeah. covid so, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah i guess i'll be testing myself later today so that's yes. thumb. Oh, but yeah. the event itself was a blast and that, it made me feel good about the world sort of at least coming back from the pandemic to some degree that's nice yeah. jamie um so my thumbs up actually um Ironically, the uh, Carlton show, I hadn't been able to watch it up until yesterday. And I finally saw the first episode, which is in Paris. And it was just so exciting to see the Paris that I know, having lived there, that I recognize rather than the sort of Emily in Paris that I still cannot get past the first episode because she makes me want to hurt people. Um, and this sort of idealized, um, very white, very weird storybook Paris, um, which is beautiful, don't get me wrong. And like, it's very lovely to wander and, and do things in that lovely Paris. But actual Paris is so much richer than that and so much more colorful and exciting. Um, and so that was very cool. Um, and the thumbs down is, is you know, the continued um, gun violence in the United States, which is utterly preventable so many times and and just continues to happen because of greed and politicians who want to hold on to power with the gun lobby so um yeah that sucks yeah. and it needs to change okay. period 
Rebecca, we started from the last show to ask our guest because our guests are always, why am I not saying my thumbs up and thumbs down? So if you have any <laughs> thumbs up and thumbs down. He's, well, I, he's I can guess what here. thumbs down is. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you, you may not use a thumbs down as well. So you can always be only stay on the positive side. Uh, well, my thumbs up is the Australian election result. Um, by far, I think that, um, you know, it is, it is something that the... Um, We have a long way to go, but the fact that the Australian public were willing to stand up and really start to show um, the real potential of, of the country and step out of this two-party preferred and really empower this kind of teal wave that brought in so many women into leadership, um, it's a long way to go. But the simple things, you know, like the simple putting the Aboriginal flag up behind Albanese's first address. I mean, it's right now it's still signalling, right, because nothing's been done. But I would say that it gives me hope. It definitely gives me hope that um, we, can, we can see brighter days ahead. Um, mm -hmm. My thumbs down, I, I'm totally with Jamie on this. I mean, I just think that um, the, the trauma that keeps being relived out of incidences like these mass shootings is just just harms our humanity every every moment. So really heightening the importance of us just looking after each other, checking in on each other, looking after ourselves. But uh, it just puts that little real deep dent back in our, uh, our sense of self every day. So that's mine. Yeah. Thumbs down. Thank you, Jamie and Ray. We'll see you in two weeks on June the 9th for the next show. Tanisha, good to see you. Hello. Hello. So you? You, yeah, we were great and I hope you're feeling well. Yes, I had to cool down after yes. the run I did to make it. Here. Yeah, and that's the, the Paris metro is always a bit complicated. So you lucky uh, person, you were last time in Lago di Garda and we saw your uh, small uh, images and, and, and clip from, from there. So what about this beautiful? Yes. So what about the wines of Lago di Garda? What do you have to tell us about that? Okay. So what I learned is um, I was there for to learn about their wines of Chiaretto. And they had this big event called the Anteprima di Chiaretto. And that was to introduce people to their rosé. In this region, they produce it's Chiaretto di Bardolino, and they produce a pale depends on what you consider pale. I looked at it as like a light red wine, like that was the color of it. But they called it rosé and it was a very crisp rosé. And this is in Northern Italy. And it's about halfway between Venice and Milan. And the name Chiaretto derives from the Latin adjective clarum, meaning light in color. And so this tradition of pink wines began during the Roma era, the Roman era, and was part of the Roman province of Cisalpine Gaul, cis meaning on this side of the Alps. And what they did is they produced the wine using the presses of their time. And those presses allowed the grapes to be pressed, but with hardly any maceration. So when you have very little maceration on the skins, the wine that you get is pink and not red. And so the oldest wines from Lake Garda during that time were pink. So... 
they looked up some history of it. And even though these are old traditions of pink wine, the actual word Curetto referring to the wine that was locally produced, they didn't see, they saw that printed in Verona in 1806. But not until 1968 was Bardolina awarded the appellation status for DOC and got that recognition. And then in the 2014 harvest, they were like, we really got something here. Let's, you know, see what we can do with this. Let's do a rosé revolution. And then with that, they emphasize the color of their rosé, the citrus notes, and then the red grape of the area, which is Corvina, and the flavor that you get from it when it's softly pressed. In 2021, which was just last year, so super recent, Curetto officially changed their name to Curetto de Bardolino, thus underlining not only the color of it being rosé and not red, but also its origins in the town of Bardolino. Oh, nice. So I guess you had a great time. Rebecca, are you familiar with uh, Lago di Garda wines? Yeah, I am. I am. Tanisha, it's nice to see you. I had a... a, a <laughs> hi! I had a great um, opportunity to go there after Vinitaly about three years ago, four years ago now, up to Bardolino. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like it was breathtaking. They had us yeah. on because Lago de Garda, I think they said, was the largest lake in Italy. But then there was mm -hmm. another little river that fed into this lake. And that was the smallest in the world, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So the, 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 the quick poll that I run was about, um, are you familiar with the wines of Lago de Garda? And there's about 80% that are not. And there's about 90% uh, that would like to know, uh, that would be interested to try. And there's... One person who doesn't want to. It's okay. We, we, won't, <laughs> we won't hold that against you. <laughs> and it's nothing wrong. I mean, the 80%, I was with you. I was a part of the 80% because before I went, I did not know that these wines existed. I didn't know what they were like. And that they are looking at their rosés as not just that fun, pink, light rosé that you drink in the summer. They want their rosés to be taken seriously. They call them gastronomic rosés. They want you to eat them with food, drink them in the winter. Um, and uh, they had a masterclass for this new organization called Rosé de Terroir. And uh, these are for serious rosés that are very typical of their um, region where they're from. So, you know, with the Terroir. Okay. And they had people from Tavel, Bandol, um, a rosé from Côte d'Iron. And all these, I'm saying rosé, but looking at them, they look like light red wines. It's so much different than that pale, pale, pale pink rosé okay. that you may be used to. But these were very serious ones and they were delicious. They had some sparkling ones too. Okay, last thing. They had some sparkling ones. Oh, <laughs> those made in the champagne method. Oh yeah. my gosh, those are blowing my mind. Oh, nice. Amazing, amazing wines. Nice, nice, nice. The wine minute did you have anything i mean it's a lot happening in the world right now so yes. okay you 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 want to or you you're we can get into it okay you ready okay all right so for this wine minute um everybody knows what's happening in america right now you have seen the news you know what happened in texas you also know what happened in um i think that was buffalo mm -hmm. upstate new york um a few weeks ago I really, it's hard for me to watch because I don't live in America now. I'm looking at it from afar, um, but also things like that affect me slightly personally, just because Chicago has the same kind of issue as well. 
And um, my brother talked to me a few weeks back about how there was a shooting outside of my niece's school. And he sent me pictures of bullet holes in the side of her school. And this is not how people should have to live, not how children should have to live, not how things should be when we're doing regular everyday things. Um, we all, and this is we all being Americans, need to really think about what we can do to be better, be different. How can we help? We can't just sit back and watch this. What can we personally do for this? And then that's my minute. You can have extra 10 seconds in the point you're saying, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my main point of this is we can't just, like, posting it on social media, oh, my goodness, we're sad, oh, this is terrible. Yes, do that. But I think we all have to look at ourselves and think, what can we actively do to make a change? We can't just talk about it. If it's call your senator, if it's vote different, if it's be more active in certain neighborhood initiatives and things like that, do that. But we really need to take this personal and actively do something to make this better, different. We have to do something. We can't just sit back and continue to watch this. Okay. In a few seconds, your thumbs up and thumbs down. Thumbs up, uh, Rose from Lago de Garda. Thumbs down, clearly everything that's happening in the world right now. Fair enough. Tanisha, Tanisha Townsend, thank you very much. We'll see you on June the 9th. It's a marvelous pleasure to welcome you to the wine hour. Cheers, water, but <laughs> cheers anyway. Cheers. It's, it's good to see you. Um, I was looking forward to that conversation a lot because you start to realize how important balance, and you're the founder of a balanced glass, and it says it all in the world itself, balance about yourself, about your mental health, about your well-being, about your wellness. Why did you think of starting uh, a balanced class? Was there a specific need that you, that you identified that you saw in this? Yeah, Antoine, thank you. Um, and Ray, I have to give a huge shout out to you because I know how much of a, a cheerleader for ABG you've been over the years. And so thank you for all the work that you do um, to help it's support. A, it's a great thing to do. And I've now realized I forgot to turn off my video, so I'm going to turn off my video. <laughs> <laughs> You're always, you're always welcome. You're quite always like welcome. It. It's quite comforting to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank it is you. a really great um, thing to do. Yeah. Well, um, so, you know, Antoine, again, so why did I, why did I kind of come up with this crazy concept? I think, uh, did I see a need? Yes. I've been in the wine business for 30 years um, and five years ago, and I've always been in sales, marketing or front facing roles. Uh, so whether that was distribution, sales, tasting room, communications, marketing, I've always, um, certainly my studies in wine, I was um, involved in, you know, the studying of viticulture and winemaking, but really professionally has been in the front end. And the one thing that I really, that struck me and, and growing up in Australia, um, a culture that has a pretty hefty and healthy drinking culture, um, you know, we're, we're certainly um, known for that rightfully or, or not for, for being a heavy drinking culture. And I think that in, 
working in the, the alcohol business and for me, the wine business, we really do have a very unique set of challenges in um, working and growing for the long haul professionally in this industry. And that really comes down to access. And we talked about that a little before, about having access to bottles and the privilege of being able to, um, you know, travel to these incredible events or, or taste wines that, that have such rich history. Um, so there's the access. There's also the frequency of how often we are um, exposed to or have access to um, wine. And then there's the volume. So there's this kind of three parts of it to me. And I was actually, um, I'd moved to the US in 2007. I'd come over with a role that took me into corporate America. Um, I'd been working for uh, a public Australian wine company in Australia, but really had no idea what I was getting myself into when I moved in 2007 to San Francisco. And really the, the pace and the, uh, the intensity of um, a a forward-facing role in communications in a publicly listed American corporate company um, really, really uh, challenged me personally. And so I spent, you know, as much time as I could trying to find my way. And were you able to? Yes and no. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes and no. I mean, individually, I've always had from kind of a wellness approach. I've always been a bit of a holistic kid. I was always the hippie. I mean, what I'm drinking right now is a Chinese medicine kind of salve for, for sickness, which is um, ginger and brown sugar. And you boil it down and, and you drink it because it increases blood circulation. Oh. It helps keep your, your um, heat moving through your body. Um, nice. So I've, I've had acupuncture, holistic health physical activity in my in, and solid eating always in my in my life really because I found that's the only way I could get through working in corporate wine um, but really the switch into making it something more um, inclusive and, and open was really in um, 2017 when I went to a conference where you know there was a lot of discussion around career development and um community building and really the early days of inclusion, but really no one talked about alcohol and really the alcohol and its role in our industry. And so I, I wrote uh, an article for a German trade magazine that they were kind enough to publish. And what it started was this firestorm about a lot of other people feeling the same way. We work and live in an industry which has ultimate access to, to wine often and we we're kind of left to our own devices to, to manage how we navigate our own um, health and wellness. And so a balanced glass really started as a way to connect community so that we could, to your point earlier, people are not alone. You don't have to do this alone. This is a very unique industry. And there are other people who've done it. We've fallen off. We've come back on. Um, we have friends who, and colleagues who we maybe see in the industry that, that struggle with a lot of the byproduct of working in an alcoholic beverage industry. Um, and so really it was a way to kind of create a safe space for community to share a lot of the lessons that um, I and, and Kathy Hoyer, who came on board like day two, is a meditation and yoga teacher and a mindfulness teacher and, and Kath brings enormous richness in that um, you know, trained meditation, mindfulness discipline. And then 
So community experience and then tools. I mean, this month is, is May is considered Mental Health Awareness Month. I find the title quite ridiculous, but because every day should be, right? But I guess they had to put a pin in a month, so they chose May. Um, so, you know, this month is a lot of content on a balanced glass about free resources and places people can go to help themselves or to help someone else manage it. Um, it's not a new issue. I think that's the thing people mm-hmm. are like, moderation. I'm like, this has been in our industry as long as the industry's existed. It's just that now we can kind of put a name to it. And, um, and I think it's really been accelerated by um, the diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging discussion that's happening and long overdue in our industry because it's so much of it's coming back to safety, health and wellness and safety. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I happen to be the, the high nail in the board that's standing up and talking about it, but it, it's not just, you know, it's not just this, my discussion, it's everyone's. Because it's, it's, it's something that when you, when you start talking about, you know, people in the industry, with, with all the things that are happening, with the, the change in trends, the change in consumers, the issues of diversity and inclusion, the people being vocal about this, there's a lot of pressure um, because changing the status quo of an industry, which is predominantly male, white dominated in a sense, can, can have very many impacts because there's pushbacks. Like in any any places, uh, there's going to be some some difficulties on that. How do you do you see this more often now that people are more vocal that they want to express what they're thinking and they express their positions and their ideas and and the way they would like to see the industry change? Have you seen more people being engaged in that like this? Um, I would say that I think yes and no there is definitely a, more, a greater willingness to have a conversation about it but language is so critical and it's still a conversation that really is limited on to the the ability to have these kinds of conversations is a privilege at a level of leadership or of, of industry that not everyone has access to and i think that those of us who do have access to be able to hold this space we we have to step up and do this on behalf of those who don't have a voice mm-hmm. um, because I think that those who are impacted are often the unseen or those who don't have access to a lot of the resources we talk about. Part of that's due to the, particularly for the American audience, um, you know, the lack of infrastructure in healthcare for access to tools, but also just there's a fear. I mean, we're talking about a subject that's deeply personal. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a subject that really there is no roadmap for it. Um, and and I think we're seeing this in in uh, you know the the growth of these um, wellness kind of companies, right? You look at companies like Calm, whose new strap line is you know mental health is big, start small, and it's like it's always been there, but you know they're they're kind of putting their name on that. Um, so I think the conversation is starting to happen. I think it's being driven by our younger generations that are coming into the industry or not coming into the industry. Um, and this is something that I really believe in is that one of our greatest headwinds is we're not bringing, we're not listening to the younger demographics that want to come into the industry. We're not helping them feel included. We're not giving them the tools that they're looking for. 
There's a question from Jamie that is actually exactly what you were talking about right now. Do you think that the younger generation is making a difference in the way we view the industry and the way we, which we work and drink? Absolutely. 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 And I think that come, bring it back to a really basic level, you know, when, if you were being brought into the industry as a new employee in the 80s, probably one of your incentives was a few cases of wine every month. Um, you know, it's kind of like the free wine conversation, whereas now if we look at benefits, official or not, that's different because we have a mobile um, generation that are digitally connected to your point. Everything's immediate. I can get every, if I want to learn about wine, I can do that on an app. I don't mm -hmm. need the bottle to taste. Um, so I, and I think it is good. I think it's unsettling for a lot of the older generation that's being forced to really look at their values, to really look at how they're running their companies, because this, this is not a conversation that's a five-year conversation. It's a generational conversation and action um, because it's, it's, it's really requiring people to look at their own values and to know their own boundaries and how they want to be in, in the wine business. In your playlist selection, <laughs> you choose them. Uh, Don't Give Up, performed by Tina Arena and Jeff Martin. Why did you choose that song? You know, I, Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush, I mean, I've listened to that version for years. Um, and this re-record, my, my, it's brilliant, right? Um, Rock Quiz is an Australian television show that matches unexpected musicians together to cover classical, classically recorded songs. Um, the male vocalist is um, actually lead singer of the Canadian. He's Canadian. It's called the Tea Party, and Tina Arena is an Australian vocalist. Mm. And amazing. So the match, I, it's beautiful. Oh, I mean, her voice. It, when you, I was waiting for you to play the next bit, because my favorite part. Yes, um, the bridge. <laughs> yeah, the bridge is so beautiful. But um, yeah, the beauty in that song is um, in that lyric of like you know don't give up there's a place where we belong like I get that you're struggling and you're suffering and he's trying to find his way I, just, I love the storytelling of that song I love the humanity of that song I love the vulnerability and the way those two have never met those musicians have never met before they recorded that um and I think that speaks to the power of of the song itself um and their ability as as beautiful musicians and it's I don't know I cry every time I watch it it's just a, a great song yeah, because as, as you were saying there's an emotion that is taking place when you listen to that music, to that song, to the lyrics and everything. And that emotion is something that we need. And if I understand correctly, what you're trying to do with the balanced class, with the ABG, is to be able to bring that sense of emotion, that, that sense of humanity to people that maybe have lost it. Yeah, I think humanity is the, the ultimate goal, is to reconnect who we are and, and the good, the, you know, the, the quote good, as a judgment would say, the, the, the pretty parts, the, the, the vulnerable pieces, the messiness of it all. It's, um, I think we live in a world that is so, Ray, Ray said it earlier, you know, it's social media that's filtered. People only present a certain aspect, but the reality is life's not like that. And one of the big things I really believe in is space, having space to find compassion or humanity and giving holding space for others holding space for ourselves 
um, so that we can just take a little bit of the load off um, and lean on each other a little in a in a way that we feel um, safely able to do that. And I think the wine community has been a really amazing place. You only need to, you know, work one large event where you're in the weeds and it's just shit's going down um, and we can lean on each other and get stuff done or you're in harvest and the rains are coming and you've just got to get that fruit off to get it in the winery and you just find a way. Um, and I really, I think a big part of the balanced glass is the, the trust that we really try to build for people to be able to fall and have those really difficult conversations, realizations, or just to stop. Um, what, what is the biggest challenge for, for people to talk to you, to actually do the step to come and talk to you and to share their experiences and the issues that they have? Because it's not easy. It's not easy to do that step. So how do you no, make? No, it's not. And how do you make that? You know, I think we're we're a community that's grown on its own, um, and and a lot of that has become because of the way it's connected one on one, and it really does take people to have a safe space to do it. So either reach out or not. And and the greatest fear is. I'm alone, I'm the only one, this doesn't matter, um, I've got it good, I work in this great industry, I've got it good. Um, and when we live in this, particularly in the hospitality side of things, you're living to serve, you know, you're in hospitality and the greatest people in hospitality love that. And so it's, it is a personal conversation and what I find is, and Kathy would say this as well, people have the sidebar conversation. So you have the business discussion and then they go, hey, by the way, I started meditating. And you go, that's amazing. Talk to me about that. Or, hey, I don't know where to start. Or, um, you know, the, the more serious health issues are, are um, incredibly difficult, particularly if you've then got to turn around and go and run service at a night on a restaurant floor or, or taste wine. So, Because that, 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 that fact of... You know, having confiding to someone, mm -hmm. you get a trust, and there's a fear of judgment potentially. So it's it's not very easy to, you know, because if you say, "Oh, I started meditating," you don't know if the person is going to say, "Ah, you also you right. do that like the other guys and whatever you you know you sissy whatever it is." So yeah. you may have that pushback, or you may right. that have that embracing. Yeah. Is that the reason? It's a gamble. It's a gamble. It's courage. It's courage is what it is, you know. Um, and that's, again, we, shame and judgment, right? They're the two big things that, that really come up a lot around this discussion. Shame if I'm not coping, judgment if I'm doing something a certain way that doesn't fit with a, with a, a place that's safe for me. Um, so, yeah, it takes a lot of, compassion and encouragement and also modeling, you know. Um, I mean, you and I had this conversation last week. I was traveling last week. I had a horrendous day. I was a mess. I was crying on the floor of my hotel room. Like I just lost my shit. And it was because of so much of this pressure of something I was working on, this project that it wasn't going the way and all of the expectations of how things should be and how things should happen and 
why can't I travel like I used to travel? I can't, I don't have this capacity that I had maybe, you know, three years ago. Um, and that's hard. You get to that place and you just go, holy shit, do I pick myself up? And then it's okay, well, sit, breathe. You know, and I'm and I'm consider myself very lucky because I have tools that I've learned over the years from great teachers to just sit and be okay with not being okay. Um, do a bit of breathing to calm myself down and then to clear some space. Um, because the human body's not meant to be, we're physiologically not meant to be in crisis, you know, we are. Yeah. Especially we're that we're under pressure yeah. almost 24 right. 7. The screens right. are everywhere. Attention is, right. is caught all the time. There's no time for ourselves right. anymore. So how do you cope with that? Especially if you have a public type of, right. of work or role, you're yeah. exposed. And right. in, in the hospitality business, you are exposed all the time. You have to smile. You have to be welcoming. You have to be nice yeah. to everyone, even if you had the worst day of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that issue, to deal with that, it's 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 complicated and then to be able to accept that you're not invincible yeah do the people that come to you what is the biggest difficulty they have when they start talking to you because i would suppose that the first conversation is always treading the waters trying to see is it a safe space are we good and then there's the further conversation Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that by the time they get to having a conversation, there's been a lot of work that they've done either on their own or they've talked to other people um, because it generally becomes that last step. Um, and <clears throat> I would say that it's we're, we're not the only people for them to talk mm-hmm. to. Um, but it tends to be, I mean, I, I count Jamie and Ray as incredible role models in this to be able to have honest conversations with each other about things that are going on and enough trust that we know it's quiet and we know it's held in confidence. Um, and it's, it is something people will say, you know, how do you monetize this? And I'm like, that's not the key. The key to me is creating a space where people want to be. And community is important to have that in an in a organic way. Um, and, and culturally we're different. You know, the conversations in Australia are very different to the U.S. and the regions of the U.S., you know, to, say, in Western Europe or, um, you know, different parts of the world. I think our overall cultural um, structures around um, anxiety or, or stress or our, our working world, the way that our cultures are set up are, are quite different. Um You know, working with a French client who don't work on weekends, and to me, I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't because I've I've worked in a society where you just you work till the work gets done. Um, so it can it can be, um, yeah. But then there's the ones that where we find people that find great connection, you know, and they build their own webs of connection and hope, and that's amazing, you know. I think ABG should only be a real step to bridge a whole bunch of people. Yeah. How would you how would you see success for ABG? What would be your definition of success in 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 the work at the Balanced Glass? I mean, I'd love to see on a on an executional level. I'd really love to see 
um, health and well-being be a cultural norm in companies? Um, and I know we're, we're seeing a little bit of it now. We've seen more move towards it in the last three years than ever. It's a long road ahead. Um, <clears throat> success to me is building a, an industry that's safe for people to be in, that's inclusive for people to, to feel that they are inspired by, um, to feel that they can make a difference and really contribute and without sacrificing who they are. Um, and that's, you know, I've always been that idealist um, that just wants the world to be a better place. But nice. um, this, is, this is beautiful. Doesn't always work with capitalism, but hey. Um, <laughs> um, but I do think that a balanced glass, you know, it's 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 a place where I I like to think we we hold yeah who <laughs> doesn't exactly right um, where we hold space for people to be who they are because that's the beauty of the business the beauty of our of the wine business is we have all the beautiful eccentric crazy creative talented amazing parts of humanity in our industry and, and we want to stay in it i mean so many of us have been in it for so long because we love it and we want it to be vibrant and abundant um and inclusive you know we don't yes we don't want to lose great people and, yeah. uh, on any level right whether that's an illness or whether that's from just finding other opportunity in our industry so there was a poll that i was running um and the the questions were how do you feel today So 50% good, uh, 13, 15% great, average 25, not so good, 15. I've seen better days, none, okay? So a bit of everything. It's uh, ups and downs for everyone every day. Do you take care of your mental health and well-being? Uh, it's my priority, uh, 40% from time to time, 60%. And the last question, where does the biggest pressure come from? And uh, 40% family, 40% society, and, and about uh, 20% uh, work. And there was a comment from uh, Margie Wilson saying that for the last question, I wanted to put both family and society, specifically aging parents for the family uh, side and the GOP, uh, the great old party in the US. Uh, mm. So family and society. So work is is not the biggest. So it seems that there's things in our surroundings somehow that are more difficult to handle. Our, basically, our personal lives are are more difficult to handle, and that has an impact on the on the well being and on on our work as well. Well, I think that we've seen the, the lines very very firmly blur, right? Through COVID, I mean, family became work became home and society i mean all of a sudden we've found ourselves two and a half years really in this very small environment where it's just that that collision um and it was it, we're not through it yet so we're family and the way that we show up for our family obviously starts in the way we show up for ourselves we show up for our family and then how how do we then step out into the world um with this inordinate amount of pressure and noise and external influences on us um i'm surprised family wasn't higher to be honest mm. um you know because i think that we really we really that's our safe space at the end of the day no matter the work we do you know the, the family we surround ourselves with 
Um, yes. There's a question from Ray. Uh, yeah. Do you have, uh, do you know if there are any stats about incidence of alcoholism in the drink industry versus the population in general? Yeah, there's no, there's no formal studies that have been done for the industry um, that I've been able to access, Ray. Um, there is a study happening, actually, and I'll, I'd like to put it in the show notes if possible, by um, Laura Louise Green in Chicago, who has a group called the Healthy Poor Institute looking at alcohol use in the foods and food and the drinks business so hospitality and drinks. Um, but there isn't enough data that I've been able to find because part of it is a lot of it's not self-declared and it's not, it's a little like when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, how many drinks a week do you have? You know, and it's I took a couple. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just two, like a couple, right. Yeah. So alcoholism, the only way to get that data is really through the medical record you know the the um, insurance and the medical industry when it gets declared as employees and so no i don't i don't have that yeah i'd love to know it but um, when you when you you talk to people from the industry do you think that the the, the main issues that they're facing is it about the pressure of work is it alcohol uh alcoholism is it uh the industry per se what is From your experience, I'm not going to do like a scientific uh, research or a paper on that mm. with specific data, but from your impression of the people coming to talk to you, what is the biggest issue that they're facing for them to come to talk to you and to share their experiences with you? Definitely consumption. During COVID, consumption was probably the biggest. Consumption and isolation were the two big subjects that people were talking about and they're sense checking of how much they were drinking. Is that normal? Coming out of COVID, well, coming out of being locked down as we were, I would say that we're still, yeah, yes, the issues around consumption are still there. Um, there's also been a lot of uptick in people having healthier boundaries around consumption than pre-COVID because Being in that self-reflecting place has given them an opportunity to really look at how do I want to show up. Um, and so where people who might have been on a very heavy travel schedule, for example, or, or a very high stress environment could, could reset that. Um, but the exacerbation of the pressure on homeschooling and things has really taken that place of that stress. So the consumption habit might become different. Um, there might be more drinking at home versus drinking while traveling, for example. I would say the, the mental health is really an overall um, reflection of what we're seeing. We're also seeing, obviously, a lot of restaurants have not reopened. Mm -hmm. We're seeing still a lot of pressures in our industry of, of um, trying to get back to business if there's any business to go back to. So all those stresses are very much still present. Yeah. Um, and it's finding ways for people to have those small one minute, two minute, three minute ways to reset themselves. Such, such an important thing to take care of our, our well-being uh, will mm -hmm. be if anyone in the audience would like to have information about uh, some resources, uh, etc. You can you can put them in the chat and we'll connect with you later on and send you the information. We'll be sure to be keeping on supporting a balanced glass and uh, getting the voice out there because that's so Thank important. You. This is something that is so important. 
Unfortunately, we're getting close to the end. But before that, the pivot questionnaire. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, are you ready? It's very busy in here. I'll yes. I'll try, try to get so, one. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite word? Um. Oh. What's your least favorite word? Can't. What's your favorite virtue? Integrity. What's your favorite quality in a man? Humanity. What's your favorite quality in a woman? Humanity. What wine would you use to describe yourself? Young Claire Valley Riesling. What aroma or smell do you love? Lime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just sitting there right now. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? Any no language. Website. Any language and, uh, and there's no beeping. <laughs> Um, John. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? The sound of a small child giggling uncontrollably. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, metal on a metal on metal. Right. What plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in? Seahorse. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? All of your friends are seated just over here. <laughs> Rebecca Hopkins, thank you so much. Thank you, Anton. So this concludes the wine hour for today. Thank you for listening. Next show is on June the 9th. Until then, drink in moderation, be well and safe, take care of yourself. Faith always. Goodbye.